All right, y'all, we are back with my very good friend, Allie, and I'm sure where we left you off in the conversation, you're just like waiting on this cliffhanger. So Allie and I are going to dive deep into talking about kink and talking about vulnerability and the vulnerability that comes with that. And I'm really excited to really thank Allie for her vulnerability as she opens up and lets everyone listen to a lot of Uh, discovering pleasure and discovering different things about her body and how vulnerable she was during this process. So without further ado, episode two with Allie, part two. Welcome to Someplace for Everybody, where we talk about belonging and being a human in our bodies and living in and learning to love our bodies. I'm your host, Carly Someplace. This podcast is brought to you by Someplace Images, Boudoir for Everybody. You can see the full show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Now, let's change some self-perspectives. You know, I'm trying to think like in a in a regards to to kink. Oh, yeah, actually a dear a dear friend and girlfriend of mine like was kind of my my gateway to kink and to like and to receiving pleasure and yeah, I mean I, what, how much time do we have? I got to pre- <laughs> <laughs> hit me with it. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Um, yeah. Well, I guess you let's just, we're, I mean, I'm already being incredibly vulnerable. Let's go for it. Um, I love yeah, it. My, I, my, I appreciate it. Uh, vulnerability is my favorite drug. I'm like, I love it. I love it, it so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> my relationship with my pleasure started, um, well, growing up and especially growing up in a fat body. And I'm curious if you, if you experienced this too, where, because our bodies aren't worthy, there's almost like this like need to seek validation by being hypersexual. Where like, yep, I could I, I could definitely agree with that. I think that there was a lot of like, yeah, uh, yeah, I could agree with that. <laughs> yeah, like I definitely pushed myself, or like would have sex when I didn't want to, or like have sexual interactions when I didn't want to, as a way to seek validation in mm-hmm. a fat body. Of like, if someone right. can sexually desire me, then I don't feel so worthless. Yes. And so, you know, I've always been a slut. I'm now a very conscious and integrous slut, but like I was, I was a slut without a lot of like self, self-love or compassion and definitely like put myself in situations where, yeah, like there, like my pleasure wasn't a priority where I wasn't yeah. advocating for myself where I was, you know, like, but yeah, so ple- pleasure was like never a priority or, and also I think as humans socialized as women, you know, we're not taught to prioritize pleasure or even to no. like explore our bodies yeah like explore our bodies and like figure out what feels good so like I had no idea what felt good we're taught in movies that like we should pretty much come automatically and always right right when the guy is also coming yeah exactly exactly and so like as if that doesn't take any practice whatsoever (laughs) okay well here's a professor pervert fact for you or for your (laughs) audience not for you might know this but like so pound for pound the human clitoris has just as much erectile tissue as the human penis. Like it's the same amount. And so, but the human penis takes on average 30 seconds to two minutes to become fully engorged. While the human clitoris takes 30 minutes to become fully engorged. I did not know that. (laughs) Foreplay, foreplay, foreplay is not, is not like, it's not optional. It's part of it. Anyway. um, Right. (laughs) Sometimes I, 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 I love a good quickie. I don't need 30 minutes to warm up every time, but, um, <laughs> I need 30 minutes to warm up more often than, than like, than I ever gave myself. Right. Um, right, and absolutely. so, and so, 
when I got into my first relationship when I was 18 with a much older man, we having sex, which was great. We had great sex. And like, and, and we, I had what I thought was my first orgasm. And he was so excited about that. And like, so like, you know, like pumped, like sweet, you know, and, and yep. then he worked at a restaurant and would, we both were at the same restaurant and he would leave an hour before me. And so I had all this extra time because I was always spending the night at his house and we had bought um, a vibrator together. Chocolate, shout out mm-hmm. chocolate wellness, raw rice and Reno. Great, great sex yep. store. Um, and we bought a vibrator together and his roommate had gone like drunkenly bought like a porno at the gas station that was like laying around the house that had some like really cheesy porn DVDs in the back and the oh, back yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And so one day I was like, well, an hour to kill. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna pop one of these in and check this vibrator out. And then I was like, oh, that's what an orgasm is. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, but at that time I was too ashamed to tell him that he actually hadn't had not helped facilitate my first orgasm. And so I started masturbating in secret with porn, with a vibrator. And it was like secret and hidden and like something I had to like hide and became shameful. And so like suddenly like my orgasm was tied in like, yeah, secrecy, like porn, like I could only come in this one way. And I wasn't, I wasn't able to be present with my pleasure. And then when we, and so I, and then continued to fake it with him for the next like year and a half. And then when we broke up, told him that he had never made me come when I was trying to be mean and hurt him. And um, it was super devastating for him. And so anyway, so like, yeah, my, I had a very, I had dug a deep groove in my own psyche with my orgasm. And so then like in bed, like wouldn't advocate for myself, like, like orgasms were things I did on my own, you know, and it's been a very long journey, like long, 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 long journey. Like, you know, I would start bringing my vibrator bed, but there was still something about like surrendering and being vulnerable enough with a man to like, you know, let him give me pleasure. And so, um, a girlfriend of, of mine and I like, she, yeah, there was, there was a beautiful, we had a beautiful time together and she tied me up and I wasn't even expecting it, but she started playing with me and like, I wasn't expecting. And I just suddenly was like, Oh my God, I'm going to come. And I did. And I like, and she, and I was, so I was tied up. I came and then started sobbing and she started her period. Um, (laughs) and it was amazing. So actually, (laughs) I'm just seeing right now, like how, yes, actually, um, my journey with bondage is very much tied to learning how to receive pleasure and learning how to advocate for my pleasure and learning what feels good, how to ask for it, how to like believe in my worthiness to receive pleasure from another human being. And so, yeah. Wow. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) Light bulbs. Light bulbs. I like light bulbs. I like light bulbs a lot. I I love this. And I think that, I, I think that there's something about like, just the the kink community in general that again going back to what you're talking about you you have to have communication like communication is the number one thing in the kink community literally the number one thing and it's you know what you're comfortable with what you're not comfortable with because when you're doing things within kink even just handcuffs even just being tied up which in my brain like I don't think of those as big things anymore but that doesn't mean that they aren't to other people right exactly and so and so having these conversations or having like I mean just anything having any any communication with a partner is so instrumental to a deeper sex life in general like Mm -hmm. I mean we were 
we were talking a couple of weeks ago, my boyfriend and I, and I was just like, we were talking about orgasms or something. And I was, I still feel disappointed if I don't make him come for some reason. Like it's been so ingrained into our brains that Deep like, breathe. yep, <laughs> right. Exactly. And it sometimes is like, we don't have enough time or we don't have like, it just it's what, like yeah. pick a scenario, any scenario. It's not anything. Cr- like, <laughs> yeah. But there's still, yeah. There's still the expectation to like perform, like perform. As, yeah. And to like, and to like, it, yeah. Orgasm is like the, the prize, like, you know, exactly. Yeah. And so, and he and I were talking about it and he was like, he was like, well, I, I give you orgasms, right? <laughs> I was like, well, yes, you know you do. But also, and he's like, but every time. And I was like, well, there was, he goes, except for that one time. And I was like, the one time where like after half an hour, I was finally like, it's just not going to happen, babe. Like, <laughs> And I was like, I was like, because whatever was going on in my brain or in my, anything that was going on with my body or whatever, I was like, it had nothing to do with you. And I think that right. that, that openness in kink communities of like, I'm comfortable with this. I want this. I don't want this. These are my hard yeses mm-hmm. and my hard no's. Yeah. I'm open to exploring these things, but all yep. of the communication that's involved in kink is like so incredibly important. And I think that that's why the, like, uh, and I don't want to be like, there's like this, like in my brain, there's this like pyramid of like sex and people and like all this other stuff and I feel like the kink community kind of rules the top of that period pyramid and but that comes from communication (laughs) like that people are like well they're just having this like crazy sex and it's like it can't be that good or it can't be whatever and it's (laughs) it's weird if they do this and blah 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 and whatever but like so much of that literally just comes from like communicating your wants and your needs and being able to have open conversation and experience new things with an openness, which I think is so, I mean, obviously society is like sex is bad and you're like, but is it like, (laughs) that's how we all got here. (laughs) Yes. And, and I think uh, there's just so many problems that come from our puritanical sex negative culture that, and I think, I think the whole world has something to learn from the kink community and from the sex positive community. Yeah. And even just outside of sex. Like I was, I was talking about this in my stories the other day where I've been like lately feeling some people's hesitance to like, tell me no, or they like, you know, wait a long time or like have to give me like for, for my class, for example, like a friend, like, you know, it took her, I was like, Hey, would you like to join us in my, in my class? You know? And, and she was, and it took her a long time and she had to be like, like list like 17 reasons why I could feel she was like really scared to say no. And it was like 17 reasons why, like, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, thank you for your no. Like, thank you for taking care of yourself. And, and, and I, and, and I take it for granted because the circles that I run in are so consent minded are so yep. communication oriented. And like, yep. um, as a, my friend Misha says, he has a great article on this calling like rolling the red carpet out for the no, where, because we're taught not to say no and we're taught not to receive no, not to take no for an answer. Oh my God. Yep. That phrase makes Ugh. me want to die. And, and, and so like, I always say this of like, I, I welcome your no, like, you know, anytime I ask something, I'll, I'll, right. I'll usually qualify like, Hey, I welcome your no. Like, please say no to me. Cause saying no to me means that you're saying yes to yourself. Yep, and it's absolutely. something I and- wrote an entire book with Hannah and there's a whole chapter on Yay! that. <laughs> I can't wait to get I can't wait to get um the self-love journal. I'm like really yes. excited about it. Yes. Um, but there is, there's a whole, there's a lot about saying no means saying yes to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And it's incredibly important word in the English language. And I think, you know, I, I like, if I had to boil down the secret to life into just a couple words, I, I honestly think it would be use your words, like use your words. And it's so scary. I get it. It's so scary. Like there'll be times when I need to speak my truth and I feel like I'm going to puke and die. But when I do, it's so liberatory. And there's a phrase, I believe it was, I, I, I try to be good with accreditation. I believe Jennifer Joseph said this, that when we speak our truth, the things that are for us get closer to us and mm-hmm. the things that are not move farther away to make room for the things that are, you know, and it's, if you're terrified to tell your partner something because you're afraid they're going to leave you like, and you actually tell your partner that thing and they, they leave you, then, then it's like, then that person wasn't your person, you know? And, no, absolutely and, not. Yeah. and so, you know, like not speaking your truth and not being clear in your communication is self abandonment, you know, like yeah. you're, it is. You're abandoning yourself in order to make someone else more comfortable or in order to like fit in. And that's, that's no way to live. <laughs> no, absolutely. Definitely no way to live. It's yeah. yeah. It's such a, like, oh, I think there's so many valuable lessons we can learn from sex and kink. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the and green like, yellow red system that we use it for oh my love. Gosh. I, you, talking it, about... that, when you were describing that, it sounds amazing. Like that just yeah. sounds fantastic for for any scenario I feel any like scenario. any party I, yes I feel like there's there's such an interesting thing so like I'm I'm a very like touchy person yes. I love to touch people I love yeah. to hug people like I I love mm-hmm. to hug people and I have yeah. a lot of friends who do not like hugs yes. at all and yes. I and I try to be so incredibly respectful of that and my mm-hmm. like and I've gotten to the point and I think that COVID kind of helped shape this a little bit as well um with touch boundaries but like I even if it's somebody well there's a couple people that I'm not ever gonna be like can I hug you because I know the Mm -hmm. answer is yes Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. um but like but I I constantly ask people can I hug you or like can I like and it's an interesting thing and a lot of that comes back into my job there's a really big because I totally believe that you shouldn't touch people without their permission whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I also Mm -hmm. think that there are scenarios where you should expect people to touch you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is like, so, well, I'll just throw it out there in this way of like my work world of photography. So there is like such a, like there's instructing and then there's showing, and then there's also then like repositioning. And I always instruct first and then show second and then ask if I can reposition. And I think that that's like, there's, I mean, even in just like education and, and wedding photography and different things like that, people are like, don't touch your clients. And then they're like, then it's like, okay, but you have to touch your clients at some point. Like, especially like in poses or different things like that. And it's usually, can I push this hair back for you? Can I grab this out of your Mm -hmm. eyelashes? Can I like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. do these small things, which are not obviously like sexual touching in any way which is a whole different ball game but like totally. they're there and they're these conversations that like yeah. need to happen yeah. and and don't have to happen like you can you don't have to touch your clients that is 100 right. true however at some point one you should make them comfortable enough to <laughs> have you touch them two mm-hmm. things like I 
I posted a photo in my Facebook group the other day of um, being with one of my best friends and doing a, uh, like a mini boudoir shoot for her on our girls trip. And we were in Phoenix and one of my other best friends took a photo of me and I'm literally like leaning down and I'm adjusting the straps on the butt of her lingerie. And it's like, uh-huh. it's literally me, like me, like adjusting butt straps and I yeah. adjust people's thongs. Like today, my client, I like had chains across her boobs. And I was like, I was like, I was like, please don't mind me. I'm just going to manhandle your boobs into the position that they need to be in for this pose because yep. the rest of your body is perfect and I'm just going to move them where they need to be for the rest of this. And she's like, that's fine. Do whatever. Like, and I think that, I mean, specifically with boudoir, like it should be assumed at some point, like I'm going to help you into a bra or help you into a piece of lingerie or help you out mm-hmm. of any of those things mm-hmm. and, and all of this other stuff. And I, but I do like, I find myself at the beginning of every session asking, yeah. can I help you with that? Or I'm here to help you if you need it in any way or totally. different things like this, using that communication. And so when I see photographers who are like, never touch your clients, I'm like, that's not realistic. Right. right. But I also sure. like the people who like walk over and like physically move their clients to pose them. I'm like, that's also not realistic. Like mm-hmm. one, you're not actually mm-hmm. teaching them anything if you anything but also like there's such a way with that you can use that with words and it has to be this combination of words and touch to have that uh, I want to say trust in in general and it's such a but it's such an interesting thing of just like but seeing people and being around people and like knowing people that don't enjoy hugs or don't enjoy any physical contact whatsoever Yeah. yeah my friend Jen the first time really that I met her this was like I don't even want to say that we were friends yet at this point she was having a panic attack um and we were in France and it was the first time she'd ever had a panic attack she didn't know what was happening and my sister's had panic attacks most of my life I'm very used to them at this point and so I walked over and I said and I was I was I was like okay can I help you and she was like I yeah I don't I don't know what I need and I said okay can can I hold you Mm -hmm. and she was like I don't really like people touching me, but okay. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So she just like, and we were like sitting on this like big couch thing or whatever. And she came over and I literally just like, I wrapped my arms essentially around like her diaphragm and was like, okay, just breathe with me. Like breathe when I breathe mm-hmm. and like, and you're going to feel me breathe and you're going to feel my heart be a lot slower than yours is right now. And you're going to feel my body be a lot slower than yours is right now. Just breathe with me. And if you can't breathe mm-hmm. with me for the first couple breaths, that's okay. Just like listen to me breathing and feel me breathing. Because mm-hmm. if you can feel this, then your body can emulate it, which is what right. you need in order to be able to calm down. Right. For sure. That Jen does not like hugs. Jen does not yeah. like people touching her. Yeah. Jen does not like any of this. But yeah. I am a person and I've seen her. We live on opposite sides of the country, so we don't get to see each other very often. But when I've seen Jen, the first thing she does is hug me. And I feel like that's such an honor in in so many ways. But like that came from a position of one, me asking permission in the first place and and for her being in an even more vulnerable position than just I don't like hugs, but like I don't like physical contact from people that I don't really know and at this point we didn't really know each other and I was like but can I help you and this is the way that I know how to help you which means can I can I hold can I physically hold your body to help you with this right and she had the consent to say yes and like yeah I I love everything that you're saying and just like yeah that just it's like such a case-by-case basis and like and how important it is to get consent and so the the red, 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 green, yellow system that I described online, there's a similar system that's implemented 
hosted at actual in-person sex parties. And there's a bracelet that you wear that is one of those colors. And so, and it's the same thing, like red, like they prefer to be approached, like let a red approach you yellow ask and then green are basically consenting to non-sexual touch and then responsible to your no so like you can hug a green give give a green a big hug you know knowing and then it's like and then they can obviously say no it's like if that but but right but it's kind of pre-negotiating i'm like if we had this system like more globally and it doesn't have to be a sex party like if you just had an event no. right like where everyone was wearing a bracelet that like said their level of comfort with consent like it would be a game changer that would be such a game I like I could I, oh yes right so good. <laughs> okay that is I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now yeah because I had to push my conference back from this year to next year yes. that is something yes. I will do at my conference I will literally ask every yeah. single person in attendance um what color bracelet they would like and then that is gonna be and I will put out a thing and explain it and be like this is the standard if you don't want to be hugged if you don't want to be touched if you're not if you're not comfortable with those type of things then you're gonna get a red bracelet if you want to be asked like different things like that I I love this system Allie like I love it and I (laughs) that makes me so excited to like to move forward with something like that and bring it into a non-sexual space and And I think that that's absolutely fantastic. And it really should be a standard in so many totally. ways. Like, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that lights me up. And, and Bridget, um, one of my, one of the co-founders of For Love is going to be so excited because we were literally just talking about how we can take elements from sex, sex world yeah. and like bring and like give them to non-sex world. And, um, <laughs> and that, that was the specific example that she used was the red, green, yellow system. So she's going to be she's going to be stoked. It's, um, it's powerful in its simplicity. Right. Yep. For because sure. Everybody the, understands. Everybody understands what those colors are. Right. The exception <laughs> being if you're colorblind, like, <laughs> right. right. For sure. but for like sure. literally everybody understands what those colors mean because we are yeah. taught that from the time we're that we're children. That. And exactly. I think that that's a universal understanding for sure. Absolutely. And, and across across cultures across everything like those are very standard mm-hmm. colors to indicate those things totally no other- maybe yes like that is pretty yeah. much what that gives you in any any way totally. um, and obviously different parameters attached to each but I think that that's such a uh, phenomenal system oh I'm so excited about this yeah, <laughs> I'm so too. I love it and then the other thing I wanted to add is that like I do something called like pre-negotiated consent with my friends where I'm like those friends that I'm super touchy-feely with I'm like you have free, like free reign, touch me whenever, like I will use my no right. if I need it. Like, you know, yeah. spank my ass, grab my boobs. Like, I love you. Right. Like we're, we're good. And so, and I have that, I have that explicit verbal consent with those people. And so that if someone, you know, like a burning man, especially I find it's like a place where people just take a lot of free reign. And like, because I have pre-negotiated consent with my people and someone like does something like, like slaps my ass without my consent. I'm like, Hey, I didn't consent to that. Like, you know, there's blah, 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 blah. And like, it feels really good just to have have that built into my friendships um oh yeah in a really beautiful way I uh, absolutely and I think that there's definitely like I, I haven't really like thought about it of specifically being like pre-negotiated co- consent but I do have that with mm-hmm. specific people mm-hmm. I mean even just obviously like within my relationship with my boyfriend like he yeah. is he is very touchy physical touch is his love language mm-hmm. he is like it 
and, and I, I don't want to be like, I can tell when he's nervous because he'll like come up next to me and like touch my butt like six times in a row because he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, and it's, but it's also for him, I mean, nobody else really gets to touch my butt. I, I say that, but like also there's a lot of people who get, to touch <laughs> who get to touch my butt. I have a lot of people, like a lot of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess not necessarily a lot. I have a quite a few f- close friends that like yeah. where it's like appropriate or like it's even like my brand ambassadors, people who yeah. I've seen at their most vulnerable and they've also seen me stripped down in both literally and metaphorically in many ways and they're always like oh my god Carly that ass like whatever (laughs) and like and with them it's never it's never bothered me it's me I don't want to say like returning the favor because I'm again adjusting their straps and adjusting all of these other things and so Mm -hmm. in turn if I'm in lingerie for some reason or if I'm in a bathing suit or whatever like I don't object to touch from those people, but it's, yeah. it's very given those people. Totally. Um, and it's just, ugh, wow. It's just so many things we can learn from kink communities. Yes, so, much. <laughs> so much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. It makes me so incredibly happy. Okay. So my next question for you, mm-hmm. and this can be, we'll lean in, in more to like kink and sex for this one as well. So in obviously becoming more comfortable with yourself and and leaning into kink and leaning into having orgasms and talking about it and asking for things what are some like influences that have like furthered you on this journey so um it can be books or it can be media or i mean even podcasts different things like this as resources that other people could potentially check out um and i always say people are also a really good resource um in any ways though i realize that people aren't always an available resource to others (laughs) for sure sure. let's see i'd say as i call him uncle dan his uh dan savage was a huge influence for me um dan savage was an amazing i haven't listened to him in a long time but i have a lot of friends that still listen to him and he has um a like question a, a podcast um where people call in and ask and ask sex, sex questions and okay. there's like like no question is like too taboo or weird and he just gives amazing advice and my favorite part is that he always at the end of each episode will play feedback calls and will like really like if he totally misses the mark you know like right. he will play someone's feedback without like rebuttal or debate of just, you know, just like someone calls in and is like, damn, that was shitty advice. And like, you know, so he's good at like taking accountability um, and seeing other perspectives. And, and so he also has something called hump, which is an amateur porn film festival, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, And I also, I'm really grateful for this question because I wanted to bring it back around with like the, my story about my relationship with my pleasure and like, just don't yeah. want to get anyone to get it twisted that I'm like um, denouncing porn because I'm not. I love porn. I think porn is awesome. I think there's a lot of problems in mainstream free pornography. Yes. So yes. I want to give a huge shout out to Dan Savage's Hump Film Fest, which is amazing. So it's all amateur submitted. Like a dream of mine is to submit a film to Hump. And they're weird and they're kinky and there's all different bodies and all different, like some are funny, some are super sexy. And they're in there. They're back in theaters now, thank God. Like they, they, it was online, online for a while, but they're back in theaters. And you're like in a theater full of people and you're like whoa that's fucking weird I've never seen that before and like oh that's super sexy and they're like oh that is not my kink but okay you know and it's just like there's just the the most beautiful range um and then another favorite porn director of mine is Erica Lust and 
huge, huge shout out. Um, and, and she has a subscription service called X confessions that I do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't always, I, I will, I do watch free porn sometimes, but I am a huge advocate for paying for pornography, um, and paying. And so Erica Lust is right. super like so many different bodies, so many different, and this is like crowdsource porn, the X confession series. Well, people will write in their weird fantasies and she will like produce highly produced, like beautiful porn of like some really weird, like someone's really weird fantasy. And it's amazing. And then she has, that, she I, has I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And she also like curates, like she, I know she has X confessions and then lust cinema. And so cur- curated um, from other directors as well that like are in like, in alignment with her values of just like, you know, paying performers well of like a diversity of bodies and of like right. things represented. So huge, huge Erica Lust fan. Ooh, this is a fun little plug. Um, Rachel <laughs> Lark is an incredible singer songwriter and okay. is coming out with a play in San Francisco. Oh, it's going to be, this episode's going to air after that. Anyway, check out Rachel Lark. She's really great and writes amazing songs about like how 69 sucks. Cause I totally agree. It's too distracting. Um, and <laughs> period and kink and like, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So um, and then, you know, in more than just like six sex and kink, I like would love to shout out kind of just the resources um, in more more broadly under the umbrella of like ethical non-monogamy, for example. So yeah. um, an attachment theory, understanding attachment theory has revolutionized my relationships. Um, and so Poly Secure is a book I recommend to any anyone monogamous, uh, like non-monogamous like it just it's the best i've been studying attachment theory for years and it has broken down attachment theory in the best like the clearest most concise way that i've ever read and then the second half of the book is like tools specifically for people that are um, ethically non-monogamous but like highly recommend that's an amazing resource and then there's some just like really great instagram accounts and i'm like my brain is totally blanking right now um, that's okay you can you, you can send some to me you can send yeah really really incredible um just super sex positive oh yes okay omg yes is yes. a um are, are you familiar i i've i've seen a lot of the advertisements yeah OMG like- <laughs> is really great it basically they like pulled like i think like ten thousand humans with vaginas like about like what feels good and there's just these like super graphic but super instructional videos on like these are ways that, like how to play with your clitoris and there's like live people showing you like i really love this motion this motion feels really good and has like strategies for all different like for penetration uh, for right. anal for like and they're like graphic videos but it's like and and all different there's like a you know 70 year old woman showing you like how she likes her clit played with and they pull people and they have numbers of like 70 percent of humans with vaginas like really like this motion and give you like really clear instructions mm-hmm. on like different ways to pleasure yourself and also to be pleasured by a partner um just an incredible instructional place um for that kind of stuff shout out to ali ash who's in my community and has like amazing classes on like fantasies and like how to rock a play party and yeah and then also stay tuned from me there's going to be some like pretty cool uh collaborative things happening with other play party organizers around like education and stuff so so stay tuned for, I love that. for some of that I love yeah that. yeah those yes. are the ones off the top of my head <laughs> I could probably <laughs> just a few <laughs> just a few resources <laughs> no but I love it I think I think that resources are are incredibly important because even if somebody 
I don't want to say gained nothing else from this conversation, but then mm. something you just said as an, uh, as a resource, they're like, oh, I could listen to that because mm-hmm. it's something resources can lead you down your own rabbit holes. And I think that yeah. resources are the type of thing as a broad user resource, like you said, OMG, yes. Yeah. Like that's a yeah. broad resource that then can lead people to something that yeah. is very specific to themselves. Yes. And like, yes. and honestly, I mean, like, I know we've said this multiple times, but like every single person is deserving of pleasure. Yes. Every single person. And finding totally. out how that pleasure can happen for you is so incredibly important. Yes. So incredibly yep. important. <laughs> so important. And and I just remembered one more resource that I'd love to point yes. out is Tell actually um, the OMG. Well, it's, it's IOBA toys, IOBA toys. So I okay. had a, I, I, for the longest time would get a lot of pleasure from my G spot, but could never like reach orgasm. And I got this little toy called the OMG. OM, yeah. OMG. And it's just this, like, it looks like a banana with a little nubbin on it. And the nubbin just like, <laughs> and like I had my first ever G spot orgasm with this brilliant toy. And, um, and then it was almost like training wheels where all of a sudden then partners were able to bring me to G-spot orgasm manually. And so it was almost as like mm-hmm. I needed like the, like the, the toy was just a, this gateway to pleasure. So that's the other thing. Like I wasn't denouncing toys or porn. I love both. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, hi, shout out to Ioba toys and the OMG. Cause it has like unlocked a whole new portal of pleasure for me. Um, that I'm able to now achieve. Yeah. With, without the toy, but it was almost as like I needed the training wheels to get there. And so and I feel, I feel like that that is just that statement that you're saying a toy is a training wheel is like yeah. so incredibly important. I think that using toys in self-exploration is so incredibly important that even if you are single or if whatever, mm-hmm. just to be able to one, give yourself pleasure that you absolutely deserve. And mm-hmm. two, to then be able to know what you like and how your body responds to certain things. Like being able to experiment with yourself before you experiment with a partner is obviously like, you know, your own limits and you're not going to do something generally to yourself that is going to be harmful or traumatic or different things like that, because you know, your stopping points and having that self-exploration and then being able to move forward and be with a partner and ask for certain things is like, Yes. So good. It's so good. And and it's so important. And if your partner is in, is like insecure about your toys, that is a red flag. Yes. 100%. Um, yes. yes. I like Dan, like, oh man, Dan, Dan, uncle Dan said it one time. He's like, he's like, if, if, if a man needed like a goat and a mariachi band and a snowstorm to be able to come, you better believe that all of those things would be present in the bedroom every single time. Um, and so so, like use what you need to get you there. Right. Like, you know, and and, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's true. It's so true. And I, I mean, I feel like I could talk for an hour based on like how society thinks that the patriarchal white man's white cis man's orgasm is the most important thing on the face of the planet. (laughs) I could, I could, I could speak on that for such a long time. Yeah. Such a yeah. long time. Yep. Yep. I won't, but I will say <laughs> other people, other people are allowed and should have orgasms. And also yes. you can be a priority. <laughs> it's right. not just them. <laughs> right. Totally. And 
And, you know, it's, it's for me, it's such a yes. And, cause I really also am learning how to like decenter my focus, like on the orgasm. And like, I, I was, I was playing with a new lover, um, recently and I was like really close and like, and I, and, and, but it just like, wasn't it, like kind of wasn't happening. And he was, and he just like stopped and he's like, Hey, like, like I'm having a lot of time, a lot of fun pleasuring you. And he's like, but I'm not attached to you coming. And it was just like, ah. <sighs> Like right. I didn't even realize that I was like playing into that story and like putting yeah. that pressure on myself to perform pleasure um, and Absolutely. to like have an orgasm. And like, it was just, and then I immediately like came like right after that because the pressure was taken off. Right. And oh. so I had um, Dr. Ashley Zimmerman on my podcast too, and she is a physical therapist um, and specifically has now moved into, she works with um, pelvic floor and like women's health and all of that other stuff, but talked with her many episodes ago. I want to say it's like episode eight um, Mm -hmm. about just kind of pleasure in general, because she's moved Mm -hmm. into becoming a pleasure coach. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about how you really need to reframe pleasure to not just be an orgasm period. And we're talking about like daily life, not just like, all this other stuff. And I don't know if you've ever watched the explained series on Netflix. No, I think maybe like an episode or two, but not you should. So I think, so I was actually last night watching the one about sugar and it's talking about how all of these like sugar replacements have come in (laughs) and why they're not as satisfying to us. Like on a like biological level, why sugar replacements are not as satisfying to us as sugar Mm -hmm. actually is. Uh Um, and, and it's literally like they, they have this entire like graph chart thing that is <laughs> that's like talking about like the way that sugar like the way that your your taste buds experience sugar mm-hmm. um and like and how it brings you pleasure because it all is like all of these different things and I was watching that and I was like god yeah sugar is such a pleasure for me and like and when I was talking with Ashley about this initially and I actually had it's funny because after that podcast episode I had multiple people like message me because I said one of my biggest things of pleasure is like when Pate gets out of bed in the morning and I can just roll over and have the whole bed to myself Mm -hmm. that is such that is such a moment of pleasure for me every single day because it's like and it's not even like and I obviously love rolling over and having him be there and like leaning over and touching him and all this other stuff but when he gets out of bed and I can just like stretch and I think maybe some of this comes back to the fact that like I exist in a fat body like being able to take up space unapologetically in my own space and it's not even again it has nothing to do with him leaving it has to do with the fact of like I get to take up our entire bed Mm-hmm. And it's already warm. <laughs> yeah, Like I'm not rolling over to a cold side of the bed. He's just gotten out. It's nice and cozy and warm. It smells yes. like him. And I get to have the whole thing to myself. And yeah. that to me is like such a moment of pleasure that I get mm-hmm. almost every single day. And I think that that's mm-hmm. so important to recognize yes. like that's pleasure. And also eating mm-hmm. a salted caramel is pleasure. And mm-hmm. also eat, like, and having an orgasm is pleasure, but having an right. orgasm isn't the only pleasure that comes from sex in any right. way, shape or form. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a huge advocate. I think that pleasure led living is revolutionary. Um, oh, yes. I truly think it can change the world. And here's one more book, book shout out pleasure activism by Adrian Marie Brown. Um, because yes, like we are taught to not like that our pleasure, especially in fat bodies that like our pleasure yeah. is not 
is not worthy and like i mean and there's so many other um intersections of uh just of um oppression that also is the, the, yeah. the same story right like if you're yes, not a white man absolutely. your pleasure yeah no we were just talking about like yeah if you're not a white um, man you're not a, a white straight man, straight white man. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yes and yeah, it it, it, tr- it truly is. Re- I, I I think it can change the world, and that's what I'm I'm here to do. Like one, one pleasureful moment at a time. Actually, the first time that I had a manual orgasm, like without a vibrator, was mm-hmm. in this program, um, led by a friend, Alexa Lada of mine, who's amazing. I think she's going to be leading up another pleasure um, work, up like a six week pleasure thing soon. Um, mm-hmm. But one like we literally would just were instructed to like massage our nipples for like the first week every week like so like literally just like nipple massage and I never thought that my nipples were pleasurable like I literally like would tell guys like they would play with my nipples and I would be like yeah whatever because I was yeah. so disassociated Doesn't do anything for so me disconnected like... from my body yeah no right. and and so literally the first day of doing this like guided nipple massage I was like holy shit like actually slowing down and spending 10 minutes to touch my nipples I was like Oh, my nipples def that definitely feels good. I'm definitely super turned on. And I like was able to have my first orgasm without a vibrator. Um, not with not just touching my nipples, touching my clitoris, but and and but just it was like slowing, taking the time to slow down and like and be present with my body and to like and it was it changed my whole life, you know, but I hadn't, I'd been so disassociated for so long. I was going to say, I feel like we're, we're taught, especially if you're in a larger body, Mm -hmm. that any time that you have to slow down and pay attention to your body, it's what do I dislike about this? Not how can I bring pleasure to this? I mean, I, it's just, and like, don't get me wrong. I will occasionally still stand in front of my mirror and just like smush my belly in and be like, but what would it look like if I looked like this? Like, (laughs) and I'm not saying that we don't do that. And like, and I get told all the time, like, Oh, Carly, you're like the most, like you have the most self-love. You're the most confident. You're the most like whatever person I know. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't still do those things. Right. Um, Sure. Like, I think, I think that it's so ingrained into our society and we've been taught it for so long that it's hard to break away from that. No matter how positive we are with ourselves and how much we love ourselves, there are still yes. moments of like, of, of doubt and, and disappointment in ourselves and shame and, and yeah. things like that. And it's, it's taking those moments and being like, okay, but do I really feel that way about myself? Like reevaluating well, it. Well, and to love those parts. Right. But I think that what you're saying, being disassociated with your body, is Mm. that we're taught in those moments of private and in those moments of, like, maybe getting to be in a slow moment. Because, I, gosh, the world feels like it's spinning faster and faster every single day. Yes. Um, But in those slow moments, we're not taught to appreciate and connect with our body. We're taught to evaluate and disassociate Mm -hmm. with our bodies Mm -hmm. and what we would want changed and what we would want moving forward to be different, to look different, to feel different. And, and that is like, I can tell you, it helps nothing in my body and it doesn't help me love or connect with my body to push my stomach in (laughs) with my hands. That's not really doing anything for me. Doesn't mean that I don't do it occasionally, but it's not really doing anything for me generally. And I can say like in my own mindset, I will do that and be like, well, this is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. This isn't going to change anything just because I push it in with my hands. Doesn't mean that this belly is going anywhere. So 
that's fine. <laughs> like, but it is, I think that it's so important that to just get to, to know our own bodies and to associate with them. And like, even, I mean, the smallest amounts of pleasure can be such a good thing. I have a friend and I know he listens to this and he's going to know I'm talking about him. He loves to have his head scratched like nobody's business. Yes, yes. And we've slept together a couple of times, just I, honestly, like just as friends in like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, and we're both now in like serious relationships with other people and all of this other stuff. But like, he just like, I, <laughs> the, when I got like, uh, so I've been working on growing my nails out. I've bit my nails my entire life and <laughs> I've bit my nails my entire life and I finally don't anymore. And a lot of that is because of COVID one, like stop putting your hands in your mouth, which was a big thing. (laughs) But two, I was finally like, okay, I'm going to pay somebody to do my nails. I'm going to pay somebody to do this, whatever. And I just remember texting him like the first time that my nails were like legitimately long. And I just sent him a photo of my hands and I was like, how are these for hair scratchers? (laughs) And he was like, he he was like, that looks great. But it's just, it's one of those things like there is, there's so much pleasure that, that isn't sexual. And there's so Mm -hmm. much that we can learn about our bodies by being slow with them and not just rushing through every single day. And even like, you know, we, we understand pain points from certain things, but why don't we understand pleasure points from certain Mm -hmm. things? Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much like, okay, I don't wear these shoes anymore because they are uncomfortable versus I do wear these pants because they are buttery soft on my skin and they make me feel fabulous. Like Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. a point of pleasure. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, once, once you work through Carly's uh, self-love journal, there's another great journal (laughs) called Sensual (laughs) Self by Evian Whitney. And it's all about daily, like sensuality, like noticing like practices that are just, that are just incredible, you know? And, um, just what you were talking where I was like, especially with sensuality, when it comes to like food and pleasure, where it's like for the longest time I would disassociate from food because if I was present, then I'd be shaming myself for eating a certain thing. Right. Right. Like, or like nourishing myself. And so like, it has been such, and it's still a daily practice to like come back to being present with food and to actually like taste what I'm eating and be really like, you know, like, and, and be present and, and sensual with it. And I just, I think we are just so taught to disassociate and disconnect and like be going, 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 going. Right. Um, and so it's such, yeah, again, a revolutionary act to sit and slow down and, you know, feel the wind on your face and the, sun mm-hmm. on your skin mm-hmm. and the strawberry oh, in your the sun mouth. on my skin like... that is like my favorite I uh, uh, we get like great morning sun on my deck and I just yeah. like sit out there most mornings it, either with my phone and I do work out there or I sit yeah. out there with a cup of coffee and just Ugh. like just to feel the sunshine I'm like yeah. ah, this is so amazing like it's mm-hmm. such a even if I'm working, even if I like, whatever, it's still just like associating that with like, this feels good. This feels nice. This feels right. This feels everything. Like it's so good. (laughs) Okay. My last question for you. (laughs) And I'm, I'm actually really curious. So, and I, I actually, and I want this to be a two part question. So what is advice that you would give your younger self? And I want to know this, like in, and maybe they're connected. So this might be a one part question. I, I might be off. What would you tell your younger self? And I want to know this both from like in the ways of being present in your body and your mm-hmm. body itself 
and also and your own body journey but also in pleasure and sex Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. being able to like so that might be a one part question but (laughs) but i'll pose both sides of it just came just came to me um okay i'm ready for one is little Allie, you're a sick little fucking freak (laughs) weirdo and that's amazing and okay and so beautiful and there's gonna come a time when you are celebrated for that um and then i think the other one is yeah that that hey little alley your pleasure matters <laughs> yeah and the other the the just the, the insight i had about pleasure just a moment ago is like that like every spiritual tradition across the board talks about the power of the present moment and like how like where that's where the that's where the magic is right and like when we are fully embodied in our pleasure we are present in the moment and so in that right. way like pleasure is the path to enlightenment like <laughs> yes and that doesn't mean that i you know like i i think that discomfort is an incredible teacher and is so so important um and it's a yeah it's a yes and and pleasure pre- pleasure can be incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> yes in, in, a, in a sexy way uh, <laughs> like, yes. <hello> <laughs> yes i yeah. think and i think uh, yes uh, yes to everything you just said <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i yeah. i love it I love yeah. it all so incredibly much. Ali, yeah. I have to thank you so much for being incredibly vulnerable. Oh, incredibly yeah. vulnerable. I love it. <laughs> I love I love that you just shared everything. You were speaking about imposter syndrome earlier and like cannot detect a trace here. <laughs> so I'm celebrating way. you. I'm celebrating you for that. And I'm thankful for you for that. Um yeah. And just, I am incredibly grateful for your vulnerability because I know that, wow, this is a conversation that you and I could have had at any point because we're quite open with one another. But I think that having this conversation for others to hear is a point of vulnerability. And I think that there are a lot of people who are going to learn a lot of things from you. So both in this and moving forward, I know you're such an incredible teacher and the way that you're moving forward in the world is so wonderful so I appreciate you you. I love you I'm so incredibly happy that I got to have you on the podcast and maybe maybe in the future we need to have an entire podcast episode about the nervous system Um, (laughs) so let you nerd out in a complete different direction yep yep myelinated (laughs) nerve pathways (laughs) yes okay and then my last question for you Allie which I already know the answer to um but I would love to know if there is any other ones Instagram social media Mm -hmm. where people can find you and can connect with you um both in like this both obviously Raptrix um but Mm -hmm. then anything else that you want to share totally Totally. So my website for my bondage gear is raptrix.com. Um, and I'm going to give listeners of this podcast 15% off. Carly 15. Carly 15. I like Harley it. 15. And then um, my Instagram for the bondage gear is at raptrix. And then just in general is at raptor bravo. Um, and then forloveparties.com yep. and you can sign up for our email list there. We're still, we're revamping the website cause we're, we've changed a lot of things, but that's a good place just to get on our email list. Um, I love that. Yeah. 
that's where you can find me. Wonderful. <laughs> Allie, I appreciate you. Thank you so Thank very you much so for coming on. Much. I'm so grateful for all the magic that you're doing in the world. And you're such a, such a fellow trailblazer and I deeply appreciate you. And I just love like the magic of collaboration and um, lifting each other up. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Someplace for Everybody. If you love this episode, would you mind leaving me a review in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the show? If you're looking for a community to love on you and support you in your self-love journey, come join our all-gender Facebook group, Someplace for Everybody, which can be found in the show notes at someplaceforeverybody.com. Until we meet again, be kind to yourself.